State Representative Gloria Brown represents a politically competitive part of South St. Louis County. And in 2016, she's set to square off against a familiar political foe. Brown joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to I say. As I say, hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio in St. Louis is... Fellow reporter, Joe Manis. And our very special South St. Louis County guest... Gloria Brown, representative of South County. Thank you so much for joining us. We have now like inundated the Missouri political world with South County people because it is great. <laughs> part of St. Louis County. Well, South County is, is arguably the most swing territory in in the immediate St. Louis area. Yeah, and we feel like sometimes it's undercovered and underrepresented as far as you know, the political game. And we've had uh, both candidates for the state Senate seat that's going to be up there next year. We had uh, former Representative Vicki England on uh, yesterday, and now we have her likely opponent, <laughs> State Representative Gloria Brown. Yeah, and just so our listeners know, by the time you hear this, England and Brown's podcast will both be on our website, stlpublicradio.org. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of how you got into politics, and of course, as as Joe was going to mention, but I'm going to preempt her, <laughs> where you went to high school. I did not go to Webster Groves. I went to McKinley High School, which is in the city. Yeah. Okay, and... Um, uh, I actually was born in Arkansas. I think you probably saw that on my bio. My parents moved to St. Louis after the war so that my father could work. He worked in the uh, factory, what those days we called the Chevrolet plant, and now they call it the GM plant. Uh, I went to public schools all the way through what we call today community college, and then in those days we called it a junior college. I mar- met my husband in the, in the community college. We got married. He was a teacher. Our, and uh, we had a daughter. He decided that in order to support us, he was either going to have to take a second job or quit teaching. So I went back to work. I, I took off from work the one year my daughter was born. Now, you have a pretty interesting bio, especially for a woman. because I mean, <laughs> to be candid, mm-hmm. because you're in the IT field. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's and, and you were, ended up being a top executive at an IT company. You want to talk about this a little bit? Sure. Uh, I started uh, as a programmer. Uh, I did all the normal things, which is go programmer, systems analyst, project leader, manager, director, vice president. So I've been entire field. Um, it was a I was a woman in a man's world. In the early days, if I'd walk into a room, they thought I was bringing the coffee. <laughs> and uh, later, even as a vice president, most of the people who worked for me were men. There, but there were more women getting into the field. Now there's a lot of women in the field, but in those days there were not. And I believe, as we were talking about mm-hmm. before, you're one of the few Washington University graduates in Missouri politics. One of the things that I've noticed is most graduates of that esteemed school, which for full disclosure, <laughs> my wife works at as a, a librarian, they typically don't run for office. They they pretty much go into business and make a lot of money. So. Um, you're part of a select few who have graduated from that well, university. Well, but I didn't go into business, into the field until after I had retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, being in the field I was in, there was a not time for anything except work and yeah. family. 
And so when I retired, then I could get into the service area. So I, I did a lot of volunteer work uh, and um, got involved in politics just a little. Yes. <laughs> so now we're, now we're going to get into your political history, which I think will probably be one of the more interesting. We always ask guests about their political right. history, but I mm-hmm. think this one is probably the most, uh, I don't want to say zany, but unusual. definitely the most unusual. It's so, more interesting to you than it is to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in 2008, um, Jim Lemke decided to run for the state Senate, which right. it was, which uh, allowed for an opening in mm-hmm. a very competitive state right. uh, state house district in South County. You decided to run for that I was state. the committee woman for yeah. that area. Yeah, in fact, that, yeah. Okay. That's, so you were already, how long had you been the committee woman? Oh, maybe three, four years. Not very long. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the only reason I was committee woman because the previous committee woman moved out of the area. I never had any political ambitions, but I didn't want the job to just be given to someone. And um, I thought I represented the area pretty well. And I was doing service, and I said, this is another way to serve. I lost. Yes, you lost to mm-hmm. uh, Vicki England. Yes, I did. And um, The Democrat. The Democrat. And for, for, you know, many Missouri candidates, when they lose their first race, mm-hmm. um, they typically— either, you know, just throw up their hands and go up to the sunset. But then 2010 happened, the wave Republican year, where you came back and you defeated her. I came back, but that was because I looked at the way she voted and Mm -hmm. said, well, she doesn't represent the community like I do. So I ran in in 10, and like you said, I won. And then in 12? In 12, redistricting happened. I lost a third of the district. Yeah. Had they not redistricted, I I do believe I would have won. So in 2012, Vicki England... One one won the seat back, although as as you by rightly by correct, it's re, was redrawn and renumbered because it's now the ninety fourth district, and I lost by three hundred thirteen in a presidential year, which is uh, yeah. not very much. Yeah, okay. and that that does signal something. Mm-hmm. So then I came back, and you you won again. So by a th- in, over a thousand votes in twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen thousand so votes. There is a feeling that the Democrat seems to have an advantage in a presidential year, and a Republican has one in a non-presidential That's year. True. Like, why do you think that is? Because uh, more Democrats come out to vote in the presidential than the the non-presidential years. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I and I and also I guess there are more offices in South County which are up during presidential years. You have the Senate seat, you have the County Council seat. Otherwise, as 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 has been said before. There aren't a lot of towns in South County. It's mainly we, unincorporated. I have one uh, municipality, City of Green Park. Green Park. Marsh has none. So. I have uh, one. So it was looking like this back and forth between you <laughs> and England was about to come to an end when she announced she was running for the aforementioned first <laughs> Senate seat. But then Scott Sifton, the state senator who's a Democrat from Afton, uh, bowed out of the attorney general's race. He's now running for re-election. And now you are running against her for the fifth time. Yes. I, I asked this to her. Do you guys ever get bored of running each, against each other? Like, or what is it like to kind I'm, of? I'm do really this? not running against her. Yeah. When I go out, I'm talking to the voters about them and what it is, what problems they have, what it is I can do for them. I really don't focus on her at all. Yeah. What do you see as the biggest issues? I mean, for the district and as you run for re-election again. Well, I know that you think it's going to be right to work, but I looked at. Uh, I do a survey. Okay. And I, the survey for my district says right to work. There are more people that are for right to work than against it. Really? Yes. yes. Now, now, what's interesting, mm-hmm. you, you have voted for right to work. And yes, just I for did. our listeners, right to work is a law that would bar unions and employers from requiring all workers in a bargaining mm-hmm. unit to pay dues or fees. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, that's, it. That, that's, that's simply. Mm-hmm. They don't have to require them now, but in many cases they do. This mm-hmm. law would prevent that. Now you're from a union family. Your parents were my husband. Your yes, your husband and your 
parents. Your parents were union members. So what prompted you to take the position that that you've taken on the issue? Well, two, two or three. The the one is the jobs because I I do know that we need jobs, and so I believe that right to work will encourage businesses to come into Missouri. And that's that's the one that everybody talks about. My second one it has to do with checks and balances. I believe in checks and balances. I believe that unions are necessary. They are a check against poor bosses, bad bosses in the business sector. So you need unions. However, I think you need right to work because it is a check and balance for the worker against bad union bosses. So it really is a check and balance thing. The, if, if the union boss is doing something that they shouldn't, the union worker today really can't do much about it. With under right to work, he can say, I'm taking my money and I'm leaving. So it, it really would be helpful to the union worker. It, it has been argued, though, that with, <laughs> it, with right to work, it creates a freeloader system in the sense that if you decide to take your money away, or if you decide not to pay dues and you mm-hmm. still get all the benefits, you're freeloading, essentially. What, how is, what's your response to that argumentation? Uh, I think what, if, you've, if you look, that when they've tried to change that so that it says, union, union, you do not have to represent all of them, the unions that don't know, no, they want to represent them all. So it, they can't have it both ways. Either they want to represent them all, or they don't want to represent them all. But freeloaders, I don't think so. I think if you have a worker, and he is a union worker, and you are treating him right, business person, the business owner, then he will stay at that company. If you're treating him right, then they'll stay in the union. Mm -hmm. In fact, what I've been told is that the right to work states, their union numbers are going up. So that would just disprove what uh, the belief is. Although the states that recently have adopted mm-hmm. right-to-work laws, I'm talking about mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, their percentage of people who've been paying dues has gone down. I mean, at least that's that's what, that's they, what they say. Now, of course, labor unions contend that uh, you're talking about bringing more jobs. They contend that the whole right-to-work movement is is aimed at reducing pay. Um, how do you respond to that? I mean, do you, do you see it that way? I know some no. of the opponents say that's not true. No, I don't believe it's true either. That, and that's what I read, that it isn't true. In fact, uh, someone told me recently that the highest paid union person lives in, I think, Alabama. Anyway, it's one of the southern states. And when they use the comparison, they want to compare uh, a southern state that has lower cost of living to Missouri, and it's not going to work. I mean, it's just... They already make less money. So saying because they're right to work, they make less money. You know, it's just their cost of living is less. So, but when I looked on, on your website, and mm-hmm. this is true for some other candidates as well, okay. so it's not just you. But I thought it was interesting that on your campaign website, like there really isn't mentioned that much about right to work. It's more about South County values and some other general mm-hmm. stuff. Um, are there other issues or is it just that people know that you're uh, for right to work so there's no reason to really promote it? I'm just interested in... Well, I didn't really think that right. Well, and I haven't updated it recently. Okay. But I didn't think that right to work was uh, going to be a, be a big issue. In fact, when I knocked doors in the last last year, okay, if the, if a union member would ask me, I would say I would probably vote for it. I don't think it's going to happen because there aren't enough people. But it's something that's going to happen in the future. So you should be working with your the people who are writing the laws to make sure that whatever law is written helps you the best, union worker. I, I and got, I told them that. I was truthful. And I got to say, and, mm-hmm. and, and I got to give some intellectual credit to both you and Representative Hafner, is that you, you both, I think, are in union-heavy districts. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, there may be lawmakers who you know, vote or may not even want to vote on this issue. Mm-hmm. Take a walk is the, is the term. Is it, is it, is it essentially like 
you feel like this is a principal thing, even though it may be politically risky it, to you? It's a principal thing, and I took the survey, and the survey says they want me to vote for right to work. So the reason we're talking about this is mm -hmm. a bill for right to work passed during the General Assembly, and it got vetoed. And the big question that a, a lot of Missouri political watchers mm -hmm. have is, is there enough you know, votes to override it? I'm going to play a clip from Representative Marsha Hafner. Okay. She was basically asked the question, are there enough votes before the summer caucus? Here's what she had to say. I don't think the numbers are there. I don't know for sure. I know that when we caucus this summer, it will be something that we discuss at length. Mm -hmm. But I have not heard one way or another if it's even going to be brought up. So, again, just for our listeners, for clarity, the summer caucus has already happened. We had it. And um, it, has anything changed? Is her assessment correct that the votes in the House are just not there to override it at this point? At the caucus, we did not say, how are you going to vote? And nobody, there was no pressure. And so the, they so. didn't put any totals? No, saying, no well, nothing well, like that. Folks, we no, have each whatever. each of the each of the bills that uh, they talked about, the sponsor would come up, say a few words, explain what it was again, and answer any questions, and that was it. Yeah. Okay. And so they they took a survey, but they didn't announce the results. Of they the did survey. not take a survey. So oh, they didn't. Did not. Okay. Do mm -hmm. you get? Do you get? The, there has been situations before when the, if the sponsor knows there's just no chance it's going to be overridden, mm -hmm. they make stand up, they may make a speech and mm -hmm. say, "We'll try again next year." Is it just possible that's what happens with this bill, given that it's so deep in a hole It's right very now? possible. It's yeah. very possible. In fact, remember what I said? I told uh, the union workers I talked to last year, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. But it would, I mean, the thing that I've said before is right now it has a very high vote threshold to mm -hmm. go over because there's a Democratic governor. And if, let's say, Chris Coster becomes governor, you're going to be in the same situation. Mm -hmm. You're going to need 109 in the House, 23 in the Senate. If Which is the encouragement to not vote for Chris Costner. I, I suppose. But again, yeah, if, yeah. if it's a Republican. But if it's Kinder, let's say lieutenant governor, who now I, is running for governor, I, a Republican. I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but I think if Kinder becomes governor, I would not be surprised if right to work flies through the General Assembly mm -hmm. in a day and is signed into law. Yeah. And, and it doesn't matter how many people are in the legislature. Mm -hmm. The majority is going to be there. Is that your assessment as yes, well? Yes, that's my assessment. So that's why I think there's going to be an extra edge to the governor's race, because there will be real consequences depending on who wins. What other issues in veto session do you think are going to come up? The one about A+. Plus. Yeah, the, 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 with the, um, I think that had to do with immigration, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, yes. And because, and you understand that one, right? It says, well, go ahead, talk okay. about it. The A plus, A plus program is if you are going to a public school that is an A plus school and you follow the A plus uh, requirements, then you can go to a community college for free. Now, okay. this would prevent uh, immigrants or illegal immigrants from right. taking part, correct? Right. But, yeah. but today's A-plus program does not allow homeschoolers. Okay. It does not allow people who went to private schools. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I believe that before we start giving it out to everyone, we should make sure. I, I personally would like to give it to the private schools and to the homeschoolers. Yeah. Do you think that that has a better chance of being overridden? I think that the vote count was a lot higher. I think so. so. Yeah, I think that would make it. The other one that I've been following is the bill that not only bans plastic bag bans, <laughs> but also uh, minimum wage increases, which has been a big issue. Yeah, in that Saint was Louis. added to it after, by yeah. the, I guess, by the Senate. So d there's, a, there's a lot of complicated aspects to that bill because Kansas City has now passed a minimum mm -hmm. wage increase. Mm -hmm. And they have this theory that they're able to do that because... 
under this bill, there's an effective date of of August 28th. And let's I want to be clear that there are some people who disagree with that interpretation. Mm-hmm. My and again, I'm not an attorney. I'm no, kind of uh, I'm kind of like a fireside attorney, <laughs> unlike Joe's kids who are real attorneys. <laughs> but my understanding is if that bill was not overridden and just the veto was able to be stand the veto was able to stand there are other things either in statute or in court cases that could prevent localities from raising their minimum wage that was the way i read the statute i was talking to department of labor uh person yesterday she didn't think think i was right but then yeah so 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 my feeling is that may be a determining factor whether they override that if they feel Mm -hmm. like they have a better chance of like knocking down the kansas city ordinance without this essentially then maybe the sponsor just decides to ban plastic bag bans next year without the minimum wage increase. Yeah. We'll have to see about that. Are there any particular bills that you want to make sure come up during veto session that you're most concerned about? I don't think so, no. Well, no. What about the transfer bill? Oh, I'm sorry. How did I miss that? That's that's one that I don't think is going to come up. Really? Really? Okay. Now, Mm -hmm. now just so our listeners know, your district includes all Melville. or part of Melville School District, and you've been heavily involved Mostly in Mostly Melville School District, a little bit of Lindberg. And um, I, I really don't think that it's going to come up because the, the votes aren't there. But it's a big issue in South County because um, I think people from the two unaccredited school districts in, in North St. Louis County, Normandy and Riverview Gardens, have been going to South County yeah, schools. Yeah, especially River, Melville. Riverview. Riverview has been coming to Melville. And, yes. Continue. How has that worked out? And what would you, I mean, you voted for the transfer bill, correct? Yes. I mean, so what's your thoughts about what what needs to be done to get another one in? Do you think it's going to be stuck for two years? I think it's going to be stuck for two years. Why? Oh, until but after next I don't think it's going to come up again. I don't think it's going to come up for veto. And the sponsor has said he's not going to bring it up next year. Yeah, because the, the governor has vetoed two in a mm-hmm. row. Mm-hmm. But so that basically means the current transfer law remains in effect and people can still and by people I mean children can mm-hmm. continue to transfer to, you know, schools of their choice essentially. Mm-hmm. Is is there are some people who say that, that that's a good thing though, that it, it doesn't make sense for, for children to be in Normandy or Riverview Gardens. It doesn't make sense failing. for children to be in bad schools. Yeah. I would agree with that. But what the transfer bill would say is, okay, if you're a bad, if you're a school district that is a failing school district, they would look at each of the schools and determine whether that school is a failing school. Yeah. Yeah. If you were a failing school and the students from that school would first fill up the slots that remain in that district. You so mean individual be, schools yes. in the district. Correct. So they would stay closer to home. I believe it's insane to send a child 25 miles to South County. Well, is is one, one of the big issues had been the last couple of years, especially the first mm-hmm. time, was the transportation costs, mm-hmm. which the failing schools have to pay. Mm-hmm. And, and so the contention has been that this is bankrupting them. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that there was a cap on the receiving district. Correct. So like, there is not. So like Clayton could charge okay. $13,000. Exactly. Uh, Clayton could, call, could charge 20000 is yeah. what they yeah. said in the yeah. meeting on Tuesday. On yes. Monday, Monday I was in a meeting. So. However, Melville charges $8,002. So Melville, if you would look at Melville and the money that they receive per student and you would compare it to Riverview, Melville gets less money. So it's not, a, I'm sorry, it's not always about the money. Mm-hmm. If it were about the money, then Melville would be going to Riverview, not the other way around. Yeah. So Melville is, is 8000 Clayton is twenty. I think. What is? I don't know uh, the exact I think they're like uh, 12000 at uh, Normandy. It's not about the money. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, 
money always helps, but it's not about money. Do you think I, – I, I have asked this before, mm-hmm. but do you think that what's really going to be the big drivers for legislators and, and a governor to actually act on this bill is if the St. Louis city schools become unaccredited yes, and yes, thousands yes. of thousands of kids start I asked, flooding? I was in a budget but, meeting on Monday, and I asked um, – I guess it was Dr. Langford, the deputy director. I said, what I have heard – and it was from Scott Sifton at mm-hmm. his chamber meeting. He said that um, the city of St. Louis is about to go under again. And what Langford said is the bill that was passed in 2013 keeps anything for ha- from happening for three years, which that was his answer. My, my, because my concern was, well, we, you think it's bad with Normandy and Riverview? What happens with the city? It's, and I think it's especially acute mm-hmm. because... Um, South County is bordered by Southwest St. Louis City, which is probably one of the biggest population centers mm-hmm. in St. Louis. And many of the parents there send their kids to private schools. Mm-hmm. I could imagine, although, again, this is not going to be a situation where everybody does it because mm-hmm. people like Catholic schools yeah. in some instance. But for people who don't want to pay for private schools in the city, they may decide, well, let's send our kids to Melville or Clayton or Richmond Maple Heights, or Richmond, Richmond Heights. Maplewood, Richmond Heights. That's close. I'm actually going to keep that in because it's kind of funny. But, I mean, that has to be a concern of at least the school districts in in St. Louis County, is it not? It does. Yeah. It should be. So, so. Well, and then there's the meeting that we had on Monday was because the governor had said there was a, an agreement, a historic agreement. In the budget meeting, we said, okay, we had the four speakers. Okay. The one, Dr. Langford, which I mentioned before, the uh, superintendent of Normandy, uh, a representative from Riverview and uh, someone from Education Plus. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, can we see this agreement? If it's an agreement that's going to have something to do with my, there is no agreement. I don't think it's in there writing. There is no agreement. I think that's writing. been reported. Yes. Correct. Because but, but nobody t- was telling us that. All we knew was there was an agreement. We said, let's see this agreement so we know where the money is moving. Do you think that that agreement just may not end up holding up? That, that there, there is are, no agreement. Yeah. Well, <laughs> So so what do you think that means? Because that was a much ballyhooed announcement by the governor. I think it was a ballyhooed announcement. <laughs> That's all it was. It was verbiage. Now, when I talked with uh, what my school districts, both of my school districts have said, we will not give any money to Normandy or to Riverview. We will open up our professional development activities so they can come into those. That means that when they're training, some doing training for teachers, the the uh, Teachers from Normandy or Riverview could come into the training. They're not going to give any money. Okay. You mean you're talking about the teachers, not the students in the situation. I'm talking about the teachers. That's the only thing. The, the, the students, it doesn't matter. There's right. no money. There's no money that Melville or Lindbergh are going to give to Normandy or Riverview. Yeah, I think that was part of the, the that. They have so, no money. Yeah. Right. So They're not going to reduce. They, there's no talk of reducing the amount of money that uh, the charge. The eight, well, it's $8,002. Why would you reduce that? So the thought is that there's not going to be another uh, transfer uh, transfer bill for at least two years. We're talking about that's that's what the, I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, it's talking about the 2016 mm-hmm. session, nothing, and then maybe and, in 2017. And even though there's the the Desi came up with this plan for how it would work, so that the students can go to you know they they were going to coordinate and make sure that that that's not statute. That was Desi making up a. A, a plan of how it works. Statute says, and this is what they said in the meeting on uh, mon- on Monday, if Clayton is all their all their classes are filled, and a student wants to go to Clayton, and there's no room, they say we have no room, 
then that's, that parents of that student can sue because there's nothing in statute that says Clayton can limit how many they get. There's I, nothing in statute that says that. I, I've read the statute, but I believe that interpretation is correct, which mm -hmm. is why I think people wanted to change Guess the, why the we needed Yes, why we law. needed a transfer law. Well, uh, as you mentioned, though, it's not going to happen next year, and it probably will have to require a new governor. But we kind of want to move on to something okay. that has been in the news lately uh, about the, uh, the Capitol. last few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on both sides, as you as you know, uh, the big issue lately has been the public um, resignation of House Speaker, then House Speaker John Deal, mm -hmm. because of a controversy involving uh, an, a college-age intern. A few weeks ago, we had a state senator from the western side of the state, Paul Lavota, um, resign over accusations regarding um, uh, sex, alleged sexual harassment of a college-age intern. Um, there have been various contentions that uh, not just interns, but women in general um, are have been subject to either sexual harassment or discrimination and so forth in the Capitol. Now, uh, U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill said, told me just a couple weeks ago, she said, well, this happened when she was an intern 40 years ago. So I'm just interested mm -hmm. in your take on it. As a woman serving in the Capitol, especially a, a professional, I mean, mm -hmm. and who has had experience in the private sector, I'm just interested in your take on this whole controversy and what you saw and what you didn't see. Okay. Well, I saw nothing that led me to believe anything was going on. I knew nothing until it was announced. Uh, what I, I said at caucus was when I was at MasterCard, we had very stringent rules, and the rules said, you are a man mandatory reporter. As an officer of the company, you're a mandatory reporter. If you're walking down the street, down the hall, and you hear someone say something that you think has anything to do with sexual harassment, you must immediately report it so that it can be taken care of immediately. I said this to our caucus members. I said, we, as a House members, we are mandatory reporters. We must do it. And then, then there was a discussion, and we had people discussing what they've been changing because they're they're working on changes mm -hmm. for this. And so I th and everything that I said, they repeated as to how they're going to handle it. Okay. Now, now of course, you know some of the accusations. The people who who resigned were members of the General Assembly. Mm -hmm. I mean, was there much discussion as far as in the caucus about the fact that some of the people in the room, allegedly, may be people who aren't behaving correctly? I, I, I'm just curious. If you ever saw any of that, or, or, or did people talk about that at all? No. I had a, a, one of my neighbors and one of my friend's daughter was going to be an intern, oh, I guess, in 2011, 2012. And she was a little bit nervous. But I think she was nervous just because the daughter was going to be away from home. And I said, Carol, have her come see me. So Rachel came and saw me. I said, Rachel, is there any problems at all? Come see me. I wasn't thinking of sexual harassment. I thought, you know, she got sick or, you know, something happened like that. She needed money. But... Uh, so I don't expect that sort of behavior, and um, I guess I was. I know that kind of things goes on, but you just don't really expect it. Well, did she complain to you about any sort of no, sexual harassment? No, no, no. In fact, she now works as a uh, LA a legislative assistant. Do you so. have? Do you have any? There's been like okay. I think there's two tracks to this. Mm -hmm. One, people are kind of figuring out why this is happening and what can be done to stop it. Because I think, as you mentioned. Like, for example, Speaker Deals, our former Speaker Deals behavior, probably would have gotten a, somebody in the private sector fired. You got it. It, it doesn't. And it doesn't, they should be. It, yeah, it doesn't matter if it was consensual. Mm -hmm. You can't have a someone who's a CEO mm -hmm. basically making advances toward a subordinate like that. And I, I, I don't want to get into legalities, no. but that was my first impression of that situation. Mm -hmm. 
But do you have any theories on why that sort of thing happens? Is it the fact that the, the environment is conducive to that sort of thing? Or is it just people with pre-existing character flaws who are getting elected and taking advantage of the situation? I, I think it's because they're away from home. Mm-hmm. I, that's what I guess. Yeah. And uh, they don't have enough to do. Is there, I mean, <laughs> time on their hands. Some people say that occasionally there's a frat party type atmosphere. Did you, did you ever see that? Well, I'm not a frat type. So. <laughs> well, you know, we had when we had Representative Hafner on, she mentioned that she doesn't really go out to bars. No. She she I, basically goes back to her apartment and, and studies essentially. I and I spend a lot of time at the Capitol, and um, not as much this last time as I did before because now I just take my laptop uh, back to the hotel and I I do my work from the hotel. Yeah. But um, it was not unusual in the past for me to be there at 12 o'clock yeah. at night. And so it's not unusual for me not to be at the hotel working at 12 o'clock at night. So when this stuff broke, which was just like three days before the, the yeah. session ended, one of the first things that happened was that there was a closed-door meeting between mm-hmm. Deal and some of the women members mm-hmm. of the Republican caucus in the House. I was not in that meeting. Okay, you were not. Okay. However, however, then, then there were groups of men who went in, and I went in with one of the groups, and— uh, Deals L.A. said to me, Gloria, do you, do you feel comfortable, you know, if you don't want to go in with the men? And I said, hey, I've been in men in the world all my life, so it doesn't bother me. So I went in. Yeah. Was he, or there have been rumors that he, like, was asking for forgiveness and citing, like, his his religion. Did you get a sense that, that was, that's what he was doing? Uh, I got a sense that he was sorry that he had done it, and um, I was willing to forgive him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you probably were thinking he needed to resign after all this. Was that your perception? I think so. Yeah. And he obviously did. Mm-hmm. And it was a much quicker res- resignation than Lavoda, who I think it dragged on for, I think, a couple of weeks or yes. something. And one of the things that I think is so unusual about this, and I mentioned this before, is that I don't, I'm not sure if either man would have ended up resigning if it wasn't for the fact of social media bringing up evidence, I mean, through texts and screenshots and all that stuff. Has there been any discussion about that, about how to behave with social media? Or no, I, I'm just curious but, about no, that. No, there hasn't been any discussion, but I make sure that I never put anything on social media that I wouldn't want to see on the front page of your newspaper yeah. <laughs> or over the radio. I just it, It's foolish to do otherwise. Well, we'll get to the social media <laughs> jokes in a second, but what do you think needs to be done to kind of I, I, I again, I think it's partial. There, there are definitely structural aspects mm-hmm. that could be changed, but I do feel like as as long as it's possible for voters to elect flawed people, mm-hmm. it, this type of stuff may happen again. But what do you think could be done to basically either reduce it or make it easier for people who suffer sexual harassment to report it? Okay. Essentially, that is being worked on. Yeah, and a whole program of people that the contact. A liaisons, ombudsmen, or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. All of those things are being worked on right now. Yeah. And do you think that would be a good good way forward on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. The only other question I want to ask before we sign off, and I asked this to your likely opponent, mm-hmm. do you think that one of the structural changes that may change the atmosphere, and clearly this would have to be done by voters, mm-hmm. is if there was a higher percentage of female legislators that there may be a different atmosphere in Jefferson City? Well, for the most part, the females don't partic- participate as much as the males. That's true, but uh, I don't think that you can. I don't think you can legislate. No, you electing can't. females. No, that was what I was going to say. That's not something that can be done. No, no. you can't like pass a law that says forty percent of the legislature <laughs> no, no, no. can be female. We can't have quotas. No, but but but, but yes. 
Now, going into 2016, mm-hmm. this, is, this is going to be your fifth time. It's going to be a presidential election year. How much impact do you think whoever the presidential candidates are will have uh, on turnout in your district, uh, the governor's race, that sort of thing? How much of an impact will those top-of-the-ticket races have on your race, do you I think? think it, I think it's very important. A particular reason why? Because... Some people stay home if they don't like the president. Some people come to the polls just to vote for the president. That's why in the off years, we don't have as many people voting. Yeah. So some people only come because of the president. Now, they then some of them then won't even vote down below that, but some will. Yeah. Well, when it is uh, Donald Trump versus uh, uh, Bernie <laughs> Sanders, I'm sure it'll bring off all sorts of interesting people. And I thought it was going to be Carly Fioroni. Yeah, another yeah. woman with, a, a, woman, with a tech background. Woman at the top. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a woman for governor and a woman for lieutenant governor. We'll just take the whole one. Yeah. See, people <laughs> seem to forget that she also created one of the zaniest ads ever, the demon sheep ad. And I think people <laughs> can Google I, that. And I it, haven't seen that it, one. It, okay. if, then when you, when you get back, you should just Google it and <laughs> mm-hmm. be ready for four minutes of very wacky political inventory. Okay. I'm not saying that I support her. I was just making oh, That was a joke. That of was course. A joke. We, okay. we got it. You're, she's, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Don, Gloria don't, Brown is yet to take Don't worry. Donald Trump, there's still hope for you. Oh no! Oh no! Thank you. I, I'm being I'm being facetious. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank for you all for having of, me. For all of our articles, go to stlpublicradio.org. You can follow Joe on Twitter at J Manis. That's J M A N N I E S. Are you on Twitter or any social media that Gloria you? Gloria Brown. Want? The advantage of having an unusual name, Gloria Brown. On Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, follow her on, on Facebook. Twitter. Uh, on Facebook. Both. Um, so follow her on all social medias because she will not print anything that will be on the cover of the New York Times. Unless I want it to be. Unless you want it to be. We'll be back soon. Until then, so long. So long.